Welcome back to another episode of Unbatting. I'm Jessica Presley. And I'm Dana Pereira. Dana, what's yeah. going on? How's this week been for you? Dude, has seasonal depression like snuck into your life in May and June? What's going on? The shit is ridiculous. You know, they say we pay sunshine tax here. I want my money California. back. <laughs> I want my money back too. We pay a premium for sun and it is expensive and we ain't got no sun. No, we haven't had sun in like months. I feel like I'm withering in Seattle <laughs> and I am supposed to be thriving in sunny San Diego and the th thriving in the whale's vagina. You're supposed to be thriving. I know. You know what? Maybe that's what has my meditation game so off. This is like the time where I'm usually like in my backyard and all of my fruit trees are blooming and I'm sitting in the sun and I'm uh. meditating and all of that mother nature rebirth of herself it ain't happening it's not happening it's cold outside mm -hmm. it's like wet in the mornings it's like foggy and dewy thick like ugh, it's just so great like so for anybody that doesn't know Jess and I are originally from Pittsburgh and we ran far far away from that place to get away from the gray mm -hmm. wet like mildewy <laughs> I know and everything well usually in San Diego just to bring anybody up to speed summer doesn't really start until like July, July. <clears throat> and so we have these cute little names right we have May Gray mm -hmm. we have June Gloom mm -hmm. um, because usually in June it's like and then the, in July we spy the sun yeah <laughs> July I spy the sun <laughs> um, I actually heard somebody call um, April Grapel the other day and I was like Grapel? That's a stretch. <laughs> it's already gray in April anyway. Gray okay. April, grape. See, and I went like grape. And then I was like, wine? Yes. <laughs> Dana, there's more to life. Is there though? <laughs> it sure as hell helps me through life. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I went um, to the wild animal park on Sunday because it was my son's birthday. And it was actually sunshiny there. Oh, well, yeah. If you want to live in like Escondido or Lakeside or Alpine yeah. or, you know, Satan's any of those places asshole. that are super hot and far away from uh, the beach, you'll get sunshine there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did. I did learn something new, though. Is it about a, a macaw? It was about a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love giraffes. Yeah. Well, wait until you hear this. So we got very close to the giraffes. Um, and did you feed them? No, we're not allowed to feed them. Um, yeah. Is that the zoo that you can do that in? Yes, but oh, I don't okay. know if they can still do that or not. Oh, okay. Um, so we were like in the truck. They were driving us through the whole thing. And so we're very close to the giraffes. And the guy says like, oh, the male does this weird thing with the female where he like follows close behind her. And then when she starts to pee, he just like – Sticks his tongue out and takes a little taste. <laughs> you kinky little fuck. <laughs> That's what I was like, damn. That's a golden shower if I ever heard one. <laughs> so I guess giraffes have like 
some sort of hormone detector. Not only can they detect, they can like figure out what it means. So they taste the pee and the way the pee tastes will tell the male if he should leave her the fuck alone or if he's allowed to like be with if she's in a good mood or a bad mood basically. Oh, so like I mean I'm guessing that they probably only have sex when they're mating. He, I don't know. Do don't giraffes know. have sex for fun? I have to know. That's a good Google question. <laughs> yeah. What mammals have sex for pleasure? Yeah. That would be interesting to know. I feel like most of the time, kind of like dogs, you know, it's like they have like a heat cycle and that's when the dogs are all like horny for it. And then, you know, it goes away and then they leave each other alone. Well, I just kind of wish that I was able to (laughs) tell my husband, like, just pee on him a little bit and and then be like, all right, you don't want me near you. (laughs) The peeing on him isn't sign enough. He's got to investigate the yes. urine first. Yeah. Well, I mean, it takes a couple of times, you know, like he's always like, like even when I am not horny at all, he'll be like, you sure? You sure? Should, maybe like, I'll just, no, babe. maybe I'll just poke her with it a little bit. <laughs> I know what will change your mind. This always works. <laughs> just stab her in the back. <laughs> works like a charm. But the thing is, it used to work like a charm. Whenever we had no kids and it was the beginning of our relationship. And you wanted all the sex all the time. Like three to eight times a day. I Did you say eight? Eight. I'm we, trying to go back in my wildest of times and, <laughs> and try to figure out if I've ever had sex eight times in a day. It, it was, it, here's the thing. I was real insecure and I really wanted him to like me. So. You're like, I always love sex all the time. All the time. And what do you want me to do, baby? You tell me. I'll do it every which way. As long as you love me, please just love me. <laughs> Does that work in reverse too when you're mad? Um, well, not anymore. Mm. Now, now that I've locked him down and we've been married for, you know, what are seven years, I think? Mm. Eight. Seven, seven, yeah, going on seven. eight, going, going on eight. eight. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, now I'm like, if you come near me with that thing while I am trying to sleep, I promise you, I will use that pillow as a murder weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever wake me up in the middle of the night. He used to wake me up in the beginning of our relationship. He would, like, we would have sex before bed. He would wake me up at like 4 a.m. to do it again, and then we would have sex in the morning. But you also were not, like, wiping asses. And, well, I mean, you always were. My husband is a shitter, so. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well I was more so <laughs> insinuating that you had kids when you guys met. So you were already doing the mom thing. <laughs> necessarily implying his ass that you were wiping but i mean he's a lucky guy because he knows you're gonna wipe his ass when he's old too you know i mean i hope to be able to afford an aid or something for that um but yeah i guess if i have to then fine (laughs) i'll do what i gotta do do. it um but i was saying that you were always a mom whenever you guys Mm -hmm. got together but 
um, you know, with the relationship that you and their dad had, it was like you and Joe got to have those times together where it was just the two of you and you were like laying in bed till whenever and like not having to wake up with kids or a whole household to run and all of these responsibilities. He, we used to like sleep in until 10 then we would go down and get breakfast at like a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Then we would come back to the house and would lay on the couch and would have sex and would watch a movie and would have sex and then would watch TV and then would have sex and would watch them. And then you like go eat some more food. Then we'd eat more food. Right. It right. was glorious. I remember one time, this was the only time during our like infertility journey that I felt very lucky. <laughs> But our two closest friends, um, we had two couples that we were super, super close with. And these two women both had gotten pregnant at the same time and had kids within a few weeks of each other. And they were in the throes of the like the beginning parts mm-hmm. of adjusting to parenthood. Yeah. And I remember Dave and I left like a little get together at one of their houses on like a Saturday, probably at like five o'clock because they were going to get the kid ready for bed, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and we went home and we started watching Game of Thrones for the first time. And we laid in bed for 36 yeah. hours. We ordered delivery. Yum. We, I think we had some sex, but we watched a show nonstop for 36 hours. I don't even know that we slept. We were, it was like the motherfucker epitome (laughs) of binge watching. And I was like, I look back at that time and I'm like, what I would give for like those 36 hours again. I would go back and I would do the whole like, let's sleep until probably not 10. That feels like I'm wasting my day again, but maybe. I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, My body wakes up pretty early. It's just a cycle of life. It's just like you go through these things. Like when you're a teenager and you sleep until two in the afternoon. And then now I'm like, oh my God, I would hate myself if I slept until two in the afternoon. Right, right. But it is. It's a cycle. And there's a cycle of life. There's cycle in relationships. There's cycles in marriage. Um, I just feel like sometimes it's nice to have lived through a couple of cycles so that you can have a little bit more perspective. And like I think about teenagers being Mm -hmm. one of them um and that like gosh I remember like our parents being so mad whenever we would sleep it'd be like nude why you're gonna sleep the whole day away Mm -hmm. you know but then like now I'm like yeah like that's not gonna last forever not gonna sleep like that forever it's because their bodies are growing and changing and they're going through so much stuff hormonally and emotionally and they stayed up until 4 a.m like playing video games or you know talking to their girlfriend on the phone or whatever it was typically whenever I was sleeping until you know two in the afternoon or whatever it's because I was up until 6 a.m like talking to some boy on the phone I don't know or doing drugs (laughs) (laughs) or hanging out at a rave sometimes it was blow <laughs> That'll keep you up. I mean, I wasn't doing that when I was a teenager. No, I me think, neither. But no, I was um, in my twenties. When I was a teenager, I was definitely like, you know, on the phone with my friends. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. And it's funny too because whenever you're in high school, and I have to tell Mason this all the time, I'm like, your friends that you have now, it feels like they are your forever friends. And they might be your forever acquaintances Mm -hmm. um and maybe you get lucky and you have one person that is like your bestie throughout life Mm -hmm. that was not my experience 
Yeah. I am not very close with anybody that I was like very close with in high school. Right. It was a cycle of life. I mean, obviously, I look at their pictures on Facebook now, and it's cool that we can stay connected that way, but I moved across the country. I don't have those same relationships anymore. Right. And even the relationships, I think, like, when I moved to California, um, it took me a long time to get, like, a core group of friends that I felt like those were my people. Um, And they were friendships that even in my... 20s and 30s I thought like this is my forever yeah um but that's not always the case I've had some heartbreaking losses in some friendships um that like I looking back now when I was in the throes of those friendships kind of dissolving Mm -hmm. it was so painful yes um I these are women that I thought I would live the rest of my life with that I would raise my children with um and now that it's been quite some years, I can look back at it and and remember the times that we had with fondness and really appreciate them for everything that they brought into my life. But when relationships dissolve, it's incredibly hard. It's like a, a piece of me was lost with them. And I don't think that people acknowledge enough that it is a perfectly natural thing to have relationships dissolve. Mm-hmm. They, you get reborn into new relationships. People go off in their separate directions. I mean, there's divorce, you know, like, right. And sometimes you divorce your friends and you go off in your separate ways. Your life isn't always going to match with those people. And sometimes it comes and goes in waves. Sometimes the relationship has to fall apart for a little while or not even fall apart. Maybe you just become less close. Mm -hmm. And then you come back together later when your lives match up better again. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think specifically if I've had a situation like that where somebody that I was really close with and kind of broke away and got really close with again. Um, I haven't had the ability to experience that. Um, I leave <clears throat> space <throat> open for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so there's this one person that I can think of specifically and she kind of, she and I have kind of done this a few times actually. (laughs) I'm sitting across from you. Sometimes things are just right there in your face and you can't even recognize them. (laughs) Until somebody makes a weird coughing sound. Yes. yes. Well, you know what? I think that's actually, yeah, we should talk about that. Yeah. Our, our lives definitely derailed. I can think of like two or three times that we've taken a little break and had to like have some space and come back together. I think the most recent one was the most profound. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that was the the most productive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there are, especially with people that you're very close with, you know, like anything that I was dealing with internally, um, you know, you had to be a part of that and vice versa. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we've said it before. Unfortunately, the people that you happen to be the closest with, they're the ones that kind of like are your punching bag Uh, because sometimes you're just not worried about losing them or you don't care at that moment or you have you're so close that it's um, just unhealthy. Yeah. And so, yeah, you and I did have to go through that. We've been through it a couple of times. And I have another friend that, you know, I kind of like 
ebbs and flows with. Um, But again, like I said, you have to sometimes fall apart to learn and grow from that relationship or that part of you, or you need to actually sometimes just be apart from somebody in order to grow in your own direction and figure out who you are without that person next to you. Yeah, I believe that. I also believe that like what you're going through throughout this time in your life when you're in relationship with somebody has a direct reflection of that too. So we spoke a little bit in the inner critics episode about whenever somebody is like really hard on other people, it's because they're also really hard Mm. on themselves. And so when I think back to the time where you and I um, had kind of separated and gone our separate ways, like I was going through a really, really hard time in my life and I was being extremely hard on myself. And so I think that I just equally gave gave that to you. And I'm from my perspective, um, that was at the point where I was just starting my journey and I was throwing up boundaries left and right. And I was like, okay, I I'm I don't need this person right now and I don't need this person right now. And I people would judge me for putting up boundaries. I was given so much shit from other people in our family. Um, like, why can't you just talk to them? Why? And I'm like, listen, you need to respect my boundaries right now. I did not say I will never talk to these people again. I said at this moment in my life right now, I need to hold this boundary. And I'm glad that I did. And I'm glad that we did because I feel so much stronger in our relationship, being able to do this with you, being able to unbad all of this bullshit, um, and, and and I don't want to say that I had nothing to do with that. I'm not saying that I had no responsibility in any of that. I had a lot of responsibility and I was going through a lot of shit too. Um, but I think boundaries, do you purposely put up boundaries with people now? Um, I think that I, I definitely do put up boundaries. I think that your boundary setting is far more like, firm and apparent. Mm -hmm. I think my boundaries are more internal and yours are more external. Yes. Um, And so while I do have boundaries, I think that like they're boundaries that I hold within myself. If I have to put a physical or like a, an outward boundary Mm -hmm. on somebody, I will, but it's not my style really to just go there first. Yeah. I really had to uh, look inside for that one because I also tend to run. I'm a runner. Mm -hmm. I hate running, Mm -hmm. but I'm a runner. Mm -hmm. Um, And so whenever I start to feel uncomfortable, and I even think that we brought it up in a past episode where I'm like, I will bow out so quickly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I'm like, ooh, that feels uncomfortable. I don't want to. So see you later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like hindsight, like I see that you were setting that boundary, but in the moment it kind of felt like that. Totally. You know, because I think that sometimes whenever we are setting boundaries with people, um, we understand why we're setting the boundaries, um, but maybe they don't understand why, why we're setting a boundary. Yeah. And that's something that even now I go through whenever I think of relationships that I have with other people, of friendships that have come and gone in my life. Um, I have to ask myself, like, are you running Mm -hmm. or is this what's best for you? And I really feel that paying attention 
to how I feel in the presence of those people mm-hmm. was a big deal. And I, I, there was a, a particular friend group that I had for a long time. And like you said, I thought they were like my girls. I thought it was forever. I thought like these are the women that I am going to just go through life with. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have that before. So whenever I had them, I was like ecstatic mm-hmm. about it. And whenever there was one girl in particular that um, she was drinking too much, she was causing problems every time we went out, I always had to like put out fires for her, make sure she didn't get punched in the face. She was very aggressive whenever she was drinking. And one time she came to my house and she threatened my husband. Oof. And I had to say like, I can't anymore. I cannot with that. Like you cannot come. And and this was a day that my husband was serving us food and drinks at the pool. I love those days. I had one of those days and Joe would just come over with a plate and a drink. And I was just sitting in the pool like a little queen. I was like, this is the best. Yes. Now imagine you turned around and said, hey, my husband will kill you. I mean, my husband would never do that, and I would never say that. Yes. Yeah, and that was hard because it was a special I, – I knew that within this group that if I had to end that particular relationship, that it, it was going to be a domino effect. Mm-hmm. And it was. Yeah. Um, And I had to really go inside myself and say, like, if these people are unable – to be friends with this person and with me because I would never say you have to choose. Sure. You are allowed to have relationships with this person. You're allowed to have relationships with me. I'm not sure if they were given an ultimatum by the other party, um, but I was really sad. It was depressing. It was hard. It was heartbreaking. It was hard and heartbreaking. Yeah. I go When I think back to those times of going through that loss, it was like a death. I was grieving hard. It's like a death. Mm -hmm. And I also had to recognize that it is so normal to have these patterns in your life. Mm -hmm. And they're hard, but they're meant to teach you something. You learn a lot about yourself, what you will put up with, what you value in a friendship. Yeah, so true. Um, and so coming out the other side of that, and the thing is, I still love these women so, so much. Mm-hmm. I see them living their lives on social media and doing all the things, and all I want are good, happy, great, amazing things for them because they were a huge influence on me and a huge part of my life for a long time. And I – do you talk to any of your ex-boyfriends? No. I am a person that – still keeps in contact with my ex-boyfriends not like talking to them all the time or anything but like I wish good things for you you were a huge part of my life I loved you like I like to not maintain those relationships but like just see good things happen for them Mm -hmm. like keep up with their lives yeah 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 that is nice yeah so I'm that kind of a person I did get one really really great relationship out of it though um and I mean she's like my best friend in the whole wide world and it is a quality over quantity yeah it's definitely quality over quantity and I also feel like um 
sometimes you have to go through a loss and spend some time alone to grow. Yeah. And I feel like, although I couldn't see it at the time, whenever I had this big loss in my life, um, and, and it seemed like the timing of it was like, it couldn't have been more inconvenient. I was a new mom. I like, like I thought we were going to raise our daughters as like sisters that they were going to like live their lives together. Commune style. (laughs) My dream. (laughs) Um, and so when I was trying to adjust to parenthood, um, and then also adjust to the loss of these women that were like pillars in Mm -hmm. my life, um, it was incredibly hard, but I grew a lot. Um, I made space in my heart and in my life to welcome more people that maybe align a little bit more with the place that I am in my life now. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, um, as I was learning, uh, when my daughter, when I found out that Shay was going to be a part of our family, I really threw myself into understanding transracial adoption, mm-hmm. into understanding um, my own racial biases, into understanding how racism plays a part in my life. Mm-hmm. And um, that was really uncomfortable for one of them. Yeah. And she was kind of like had made a comment like, you just focus too much on it. Like that's everything in your life. And maybe I was, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to say she was right or I was right. Um, But I also needed people in my life at that time to hold space for me to Mm -hmm. work through that and understand that and grow a little bit and also open their minds and grow with me and say like, yeah, I do have like this implicit bias or something that, you know, maybe was unaware that mm-hmm. I was unaware of and things that I was unaware of um, and, and work with me on that and not criticize me for it and make me feel like I was making them uncomfortable in some way. So when these relationships ended, and and for me, I definitely did, but I'm curious for you, were you forced to look at your shadow self? I don't think I was there yet. Okay. I think I was just really grieving mm-hmm. and um, and like I said, transitioning into motherhood. Um, I don't really think that I understood what my shadow self was until maybe in the last year. Okay. Have you been doing shadow work? Um, to my own capacity yes I've never like gone through a program or a class or have like done like one-on-one work with somebody Mm -hmm. on shadow work but I think that I'm familiar with um, my shadows and I'm familiar with how they play a role in my life Um, I think there's layers oh yeah and I think that like as soon as I think that I'm done something else is going to come up Um, so it's ongoing yeah I did do a class at one point and god damn it it is fucking awful and I I was I think it was like an eight or a ten week course and I resisted it so every week I would be like oh, I don't want to do it I want to make an excuse not to go I was just I don't, just don't want to do it was it in person it was over zoom okay and it was a group of people also so there were some one-on-ones and then it was also like a group setting and it was so, like I 
cry over everything. Mm. I am a cry baby and I am, I love it actually. I'm like, I just let me cry. Um, but I felt so uncomfortable in a group of people where I was just like crying every single week. Yeah. Yeah. And I hated it. And then six months went by and I was like, Oh, it just felt so much lighter. This is why. This is why people do this. And then I went to go see um, a person that you had sent me to, actually. And she was like, oh, you have some more shadow work to do. And I was like, no. Back to, back to the resistance phase. <laughs> I have not been doing it. If I'm being completely honest, I'm like, nope, not yet. Not, not yet. Not you gotta yet. make space on the calendar for that. You gotta yep. look out. Like, when can I do this for eight weeks? Because man, it is tough. It is I don't tough. know about you, but whenever I allow myself to go to those places, it's not like I can just go there for the hour and then return back to my normal self. It's like I'm there for eight weeks plus six months afterwards. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's recurring. And and because we have that inner critic. The guilt tripper will just make you feel like shit every single time you think about anything that you did that was mm-hmm. remotely horrible. And I'm a pretty horrible person if you go back and look at the stats. I've done some shitty things. We all have. Yeah. But it's hard to look at those shitty things that you've done to other people. Mm. And you're like, oh, God. Like, that is so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like... um shadow work played into the loss of those relationships that you had mentioned earlier? So um, the shadow work came after that loss. Um, I think that the shadow work actually helped me get through it Mm. because along with recognizing and, and working on your own shadow, you also recognize that everybody else has one too. Mm -hmm. And that really lets you come from a place of compassion and understanding and um you kind of let go of that resentment whenever you are like okay they have their own demons that they're battling as well yeah I feel like whenever you can tap into compassion forgiveness comes so much easier and forgiveness as we know is never really about the other person it's kind of a favor that you're doing for yourself um so I try to get to the forgiveness part pretty quick for my own sanity I do the same. And like we've said already, the the relationship cycles, it's not just friendships. It's sisters Mm -hmm. also. We've done that. Our husbands, like all of those relationships, romantic relationships that just, I mean, remember with any of your exes, the beginning stage and then you get to the end stage and you're like, I hate you. Like, if you chew like that one more time. I swear to God, I'm going to prison. <laughs> yes. Yeah, definitely. People can be so annoying. They can be really annoying. And I think that, gosh, if we focus on the annoying things, they just become way more annoying. You know that I jumped on a person's car so that they wouldn't leave me. <laughs> that sounds like something you'd do. I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> I fucking jumped like a flying squirrel. issues. <laughs> like a flying squirrel on the hood of their car. <laughs> wow. Like, don't go. You're not leaving me. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the relationships that have ended in my life were my own fault. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you know what? Young love is toxic. You know what I mean? You're learning. You're trying out skills. You're repeating things that you saw growing up that you thought were okay. Like, they're so toxic. And they're just a mess. They're a mess. And we have these unrealistic things to go off of. Uh, The Notebook. Oh. Movie love. Why can't my life be The Notebook? Right? Well, I mean, movie love upsets me. And also lights me on fire. I would never watch a rom-com today for like anything. If you couldn't pay me to watch it. I'm like, it's no, all I'm not watch. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all I'll watch. I'll watch them all day long, every single day. And I will, but I'm, I'm knowingly watching that this is bullshit, but it makes me feel good. You know what makes me feel good? murder docs <laughs> no that makes you feel that's good. true that's also me whoops <laughs> naked and afraid <laughs> i don't want to watch a rom-com i want to watch naked and afraid please okay now i need okay i've never watched naked and afraid because that sounds awful it is so you will hate every second of it wait is there like bugs climbing in oh like in orifices oh yeah oh my god yeah like infest infected testicles at times no way oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah like like cavemen yes yeah it's like cave times the neanderthals just go out there into the wild they go into the wild sometimes the the original is that they send a man and a woman and they disrobe and then they meet in the middle of the wild and they have like a map and like a fire starter and that's it. And they're like, good luck. See you in 21 days. Okay. <laughs> There's so many questions right now. Like, what's the food sitch? Oh, you got to find that. Sometimes they like eat termites from a termite hill or oh, the best is like, when they're so starving and emaciated, they can't even stand anymore, and then they get a big kill. You're like, yes, they're gonna make it to extraction day. What, I okay, so <laughs> this, I mean, it's a nightmare for some. This is like a it's a horror movie for some. <laughs> <laughs> also, how I feel about rom coms. <laughs> So these people can't walk because they're so hungry. Right. And then also like sometimes there's like they're in like the middle of the Amazon and there's like these huge thorns and they can't walk because there's thorns everywhere. And every step they take, they get a two inch prick in their foot. I will never watch this show. Oh, do you want to know? I have to give you a really good one. Okay. They finally score a meal, right? What is and the meal? And it's a snake. Oh, They oh, get a snake. Oh, God. But the winning part is that it's got like six eggs inside of it. And so as they're gutting and cleaning the snake, they also find the eggs and they eat the snake eggs. Okay, I'm about to say the dumbest thing ever. (laughs) I'm ready for it. because i know it's so stupid but didn't we watch a movie where they just like slid open the snake and little snake babies just came out some snakes give birth to live snakes and some snakes lay eggs okay i'm not that dumb oh thank god i just learned this at the zoo with jordan (laughs) and i learned that giraffes drink pee (laughs) 
It's a wild day. <laughs> it is a wild day. Yeah. I, what was that? Like Indiana Jones or something where they oh, like cut open the snake. Did you see they're making another one? I He's did. coming back again. I'm so Cycle excited. of life. It's Cy- another <laughs> cycle of life, cycle of relationships. It's all about that cycle. I am excited about Indiana Jones though. Same. Same. I can't wait. So anyways, back to the the love that isn't real love. We were shown that this is what love looks like. And love in a movie always, always, always looks like you fall in love. Everything's great. Big, huge fight. Something terrible happens. You break up. You're sad for a long time. So sad. So, so sad. You mm-hmm. cry because you're sad. Mm-hmm. And then he makes a big gesture. Yes, the big gesture is always key in the rom-com. And then you realize that you are meant to be for the next three and a half minutes because they don't show you the rest of life. They don't. They definitely don't. They don't show you all the hardships of life. No. With this one person. No, they cut it right before the good part. Is that the good part? The rest of life, yes. I want to know that they are also suffering in their marriage. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, if you're in a marriage, you're suffering somewhere. If, what, what's the the joke? There's or you're the, just married. Yeah. the The joke is um, what is it? There's the engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. The suffering's the biggest. The biggest. <laughs> But that's what we're told love is. And society doesn't help with that stuff. So it's the things that you see in, you know, whatever your families did. Like there are some couples out there that don't hug each other or kiss each other in front of their kids. Interesting. I never thought about that. Or at all. Yeah. Yeah. I've never thought about that. I guess I guess that is a thing. So then like. What do these, how do these kids know how to be in relationship as they get older? They're going to have to go through the toxicity mm-hmm. of young love. And sometimes old love is toxic too. It's not just the youngins. We all got lessons to learn. It's just a matter of how quick you're learning them. Yeah, well, have you ever listened to uh, Matthew McConaughey's book, uh, Green Lights? No. So he talks about his parents' marriage in there and how awful it was. Like, Fucking, she flipped off the dad. The dad took her finger and broke it. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, They married each other three times. (laughs) Toxic. They divorced each other, I guess, two times and then married each other three. And he died while having sex with her. (laughs) This is amazing. This is amazing. There should be a book written about this. And he goes on and he's just like this is just like how life was like mom took off on one of their divorces and dad was like oh she's on vacation or something in florida or whatever but it was like a chaotic event and then we look at matthew mcconaughey and i'm like god to be a fly on the wall at his house i'd love to know how that goes i know right but we so like put these people on a pedestal because they're actors or a part of Hollywood or in the public eye but like they're just humans too doesn't matter how many rom-coms he's been in there doesn't like matter us. that I loved watching him and how to lose a guy in 10 days over and over and over that's back when I liked you gotta frost yourself you gotta frost yourself <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah he's got drama too 
everybody has drama and there's the beginning, middle, and end to mm-hmm. all relationships. And that even stems off into, like, think of our cousins. When we're little, we play with our cousins. You know, if you're lucky enough to have cousins that are close in age and nearby, like we just, that's all we did was play with our cousins. And then we got older and we were in different high schools and we had different friend groups, but you know, we saw each other at Christmas time and then we got older again and it's like, oh, that's my cousin. I used to see them at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, whenever I, for whenever it's like people who like really knew all of me, whenever I get to come back together with them, there is parts that just feel like home. Oh, yeah. It feels so nice. It doesn't matter if I haven't talked to them in, you know, two years or it's only over social media or liking their posts or whatever. It doesn't matter. Whenever I'm with them, it just feels so easy. Absolutely. And that's something else that I really love. Those are the only kinds of relationships that I want. I want to be able to live my life and then I want to be able to come back to you and still be able to pick it up where we left off. Yeah. That's like the best kinds of relationships. I want to be able to not talk to you for four weeks and then call you and be like, yo, you ready to chat? Let's catch up. Yeah. That's the best kind of friend to have yeah for sure another relationship that kind of like has its ebbs and flows is that of a parent mm-hmm. you know we talk a lot about being the parent but we don't talk a lot about having the parent yeah. and that's something I've experienced with my mom I've experienced that with my dad I know they're also your mom and dad so they're <laughs> not just solely mine they are ours you can borrow them <laughs> <laughs> that's how you felt when I was born <laughs> <laughs> They're just on loan. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's ebbs and flows in that in that relationship as well. There is ebbs and flows with that. And it's funny to see, like I remember as a teenager, um, you know, I was a mouthy, pain in the ass teenager that, you know, needed to be corrected sometimes. And then as I got older and I turned 18, my my mother my mother I took her back (laughs) my mother (laughs) our mom didn't really give a shit anymore she was like go do your thing like I'm I'm not here to I can't I'm not gonna ground you anymore right what am I gonna do you're you're an adult now so you know and I remember specifically uh I was 18 I was skipping school and going to her house because I didn't want our dad to know that I was skipping school but because I don't know for whatever reason my mom didn't care at that point that I was skipping school and so I would just go to her house and she would like laugh at me and I was like god I really thought I'd get beat for this (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna get my ass kicked when I came here yeah I thought I had to be the other way around like me going to dad's house and skipping school and not telling mom something that I wasn't supposed to be doing yeah (laughs) But it, it's kind of nice to see how those relationships end up growing. Like like you said, now we sit down with wine and, you know, confess all of our sins. There's that part of a relationship where you're like, hey, mom, remember when? Yeah. You remember when I did this thing? I wasn't actually doing that thing. Mm, yeah. And what about like the part where like mom confesses to us all the terrible things she did when she was a kid that's always fun to hear I love those stories (laughs) I'm like she's human yes because we don't always 
picture our parents as being human Mm -hmm. because we feel like we have to be these little like models of perfection because they're perfect. Right. And then we realize like, oh no, she, she's smoked some weed. Yeah. She's done her time. She's done. She's (laughs) done. I mean, she lived through the seventies. Like, (laughs) come on. They were, they were all token a little weed. Yeah. I remember dad in the car going, I've smoked a doobie a time or two. Dad smoked plenty of doobies. I'm sure he did. All the doobies. <laughs> but now, and that's part of my parenting. I show my kids I'm not perfect from a much younger age. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know. Time will tell. Time will tell. We'll figure that out. Yeah. You're getting closer and closer because, like, you know, you've got one out on his way out of the coop. I know. Oh, no, she's going to cry. I won't cry. He's not leaving me for real, for real. <laughs> no, but you will get to experience a shift in that relationship. You guys are um, approaching another cycle in your relationship as a parent. And he, you're going to watch him become this man and this adult and make these life choices and live independently. Like, wow. And it gets harder as you become an adult. The stakes seem to be higher when you're an adult. And now, like, I have to watch him be in relationships and be like, please choose the right person. Please choose the right person. Please choose the right person. Right, (laughs) right. Because otherwise your life will be miserable. Or I have to just, you know, like, I have to stand by and be a support rather than be a mom as they get older. Right. And I think that, um, you know, when we were kids, mom's intentions for us were always from a good place. Yeah. They were always from a good place. But I also feel that like there was just like so much fear around us messing up that she just wanted to make all the decisions for us. And we didn't really have the liberty or the freedom to make the decisions because she was going to make sure we made the right ones. Um, and so I feel like you from a younger age with your boys have kind of stepped back and allow them to make decisions mm-hmm. and allow them to make mistakes. And so it'll be interesting to see like what that, from your point of view, how that experience is different, doing it the way that you chose do, versus doing it the way that we were raised. Well, it's, we can only do so much and then we keep going. You know, we, I, I think we said it before, 10% better. That's all I want to do is 10% better and yeah, hope my yeah. kids do 10% better and so on and so forth. Yeah, that's the goal and that's how we pass it down. Oh my God, we're going to be grandparents one day. Maybe we will be grandparents one day. It's possible. I have two opportunities have. so far in my life to be a grandparent, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you can borrow mine. <laughs> Good Got idea. a lot of family members on loan to you. Okay, yeah. I need to start keeping track of this. <laughs> All right, and guys, you know what you could do to make yourself ten percent better to us? <laughs> <laughs> you can go straight to Apple, and you can give us a rate and review. Five stars only. Please. That's right. That's right. And uh, again, I we're trying to build our platforms across the board. So if you'd like to follow us at Unbatting on Instagram. And if you like to do the youtube stuff, then you can subscribe there as well. And uh, until next time. We're Unbatting, baby. Unbatting. Unbatting. We're Unbatting, baby. We're on a journey, baby. We're on batting, baby. 
we're on bad age.